to study God's Word. We're going to get into God's Word here uh, in just a moment, but let's pray. Father, we do ask that you would just touch our hearts with the Word of God once again. And this section of Ezekiel is very, very important to us. It speaks to us. It, it, it just jumps out. The, the words on uh, these pages that we are looking at, these chapters, speak to us of the day in which we're living in. And Lord, we can think that uh, all around us, the world is the, the heavy burdens, the cares of life, that we can get distracted. We lose our perspective. But Lord, we want to be comforted in your word and strengthened in your word. So Lord, thank you that we can be here t tonight and the technology is available for us to be able to continue to go through these chapters of the Old Testament during the week. And so Lord, I, I pray that you'd bless every heart that is listening in tonight. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So Ezekiel, as you know, has been speaking. He's off in a captivity, went into second deportation in 597 B.C. As he's in Babylon, and, and Ezekiel's had visions, and speaking particularly to the leaders of Israel, of Judah, and then also speaking of what's going to happen to Jerusalem. And in chapters 25 through 32, there was a proclamation against the nations that surrounded Judah as well as we know that Babylon is the world power. We know that Babylon has already taken captives away. The captivity would begin in 605 B.C., the 70 years of captivity that, it, that Jeremiah tells us it will last for that length of time. We saw that clearly as we went through the book of Jeremiah. And then after 70 years, the Lord said, I'm going to visit you, and I'm going to start bringing you back into the land. And that's what would happen in 536 B.C., as the Medes and the Persians took over Babylon, and then Cyrus, who Isaiah declares in his prophecies, a servant of the Lord, would give that decree that they could come back and rebuild the temple. And so a remnant of them, a small remnant, just under 50,000, would come back with Zerubbabel and Joshua the high priest, and they would rebuild the temple. It would be later on in 445 B.C. that it was Nehemiah that would come back and rebuild the walls around Jerusalem, again, under the Medo-Persian Empire. So there's the promise that they would come back into the land after the captivity. But what is very fascinating is the Bible speaks about a time, and Jesus speaks about it, that they would go into captivity to all the nations, and that would take place in 70 A.D., when Titus and the Roman soldiers came into Jerusalem, they destroyed the second temple. The first temple destroyed in the third and final assault on Jerusalem in 586 B.C. Nebuchadnezzar and his troops came in, destroyed the first temple, leveled Jerusalem, and there was only a, a few left in the land to work the land. And many of them would go off into Egypt, and there, as we have discussed in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, that God would deal with them because Jeremiah told them, don't go to Egypt, stay here in the land, but they didn't do that. So as they're off in the captivity, they would come back and they would be in the land, but they would be under the oppression of somebody. After the Babylonians, it's the Medo-Persian Empire. After that, it was the Greeks, Alexander the, the Great would conquer the known world. And then after the Greek Empire would come the Romans that would be ruling during the days of Jesus. 
The second temple was remodeled. It became a, a beautiful structure, a beautiful building. And in 70 AD, it ended up being destroyed as Jerusalem was destroyed once again. Actually, the destruction of the first temple and the second temple, as you look at it historically, and we've seen it, Ezekiel gave an account when that happened that we can go back and we can see that they happened on the same day. Absolutely amazing. So Jesus spoke about that it would happen. They're going to build an embankment around you, and he's speaking right before his death. And, and just about 37 years later, that's what happened that Rome did come in and destroyed Jerusalem, leveled Jerusalem, and they went off into captivity, and they were dispersed around the world. And what we are going to read here and start talking about is that the Lord promised that there'd be another return after that captivity, and they would come back into the land, be planted in the land, and they are going to remain there. So that's what we're going to see very clearly as we are in chapter 34, he begins to talk about that. Um, and then as we move into chapter 36 and 37, and in chapters 38 and 39, which again speaks of a future war that will be in the latter days of an attack against Israel and God will intervene. At the end of chapter 39, he pours out a spirit on Israel. And then we see the millennium reign, that the millennium temple is going to be spoken of in the remaining of, of the book of Ezekiel in chapters 40 through 48. So very fascinating studies that we're going to be getting into. One of the things that I do want to remind you is that the Lord in his book, in the Bible, um, there's a lot of prophecy. A third of the Bible is prophecy. And for us to understand as we go through it chapter by chapter, verse by verse, book by book, and to understand the days in which we are living in. And I know for me, and I know it will be true for you, that as we have discernment of the days in which we are living in, it's going to help us keep our joy and our perspective on things. I think that sometimes our joy gets robbed and uh, our perspective is lost because we're not keeping our eyes on the things above and our eyes on the Lord. Uh, we get caught up in, in the cares of life, the problems of life. That's understandable. We all do that. But as we go through the scriptures, it brings strength to us. It brings the proper perspective for us. And we get our eyes back on the Lord. And I want us here at Calvary Chapel to understand the days in which we are living in. That the things that we are seeing, um, that we are rapidly approaching the return of the Lord where he's going to come for his church. We don't know the day or the hour. But we are in the last days. We're seeing the signs that are becoming more frequent and with more intensity that we're going to speak about in Matthew's gospel in the Olivet Discourse when we get to chapter 24. Uh, we see the signs that are spoken of here in Ezekiel when we get to chapters 38 and 39. We are living in unique times. And what that does is it causes me to just have joy and to, to know that there is a wonderful plan and conclusion to all of this, that everything is happening that's going to usher in the kingdom of God. And so we have that hope. We have that, that uh, blessed hope of the rapture of the church and that knowing that the Lord is the one who is the Lord over all the earth. He's the Lord over the nations and he is the Lord over the church, and he's the Lord over your life and my life. And so even though it just seems like that everything's mounting against us and it becomes overwhelming, that we have victory in Christ. 
And we belong to a kingdom that will last forever. And when we get into Daniel, Daniel chapter 2, the kingdoms, the empires of the world are going to crumble under the rock Jesus Christ that will be the one that will rule and reign and his kingdom will be established forever. And we get to rule and reign with him. So I hope that we're encouraged as we go through these chapters. And, and I know that after we got done with that section, chapter 25 through 32 last week, we looked at something that was very important, and that is the watchman and his message. You and I are called to be watchmen on the wall. You and I are called to be ones that we are to blow the trumpet and give the warning. Uh, we are to be faithful to the message that we have of the gospel and God's word to give to others. You and I are, are to be watching. And one of the things that we see in the New Testament, it is repeated over and over again, that we're to be watching, be watchful, uh, and we're to be watching for the return of the Lord. He says, number one, as we know, as Paul says, watch. Uh, the last exhortation to the Corinthian church, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. In all that you do, do with love, but watch. We know that Paul says that we're to be watchful, be sober in the days in which we're living in. Don't fall asleep spiritually. And Jesus himself said that you're to be the faithful servant that is watching for the master's return, looking for the master's return. And as we do that, that we who are looking for the Lord's return, because he can come at any time. Again, we don't know the day or the hour, but Jesus says, I come at a time that you least expect. I come at an hour that you do not know. And there's no prophecy that has to be fulfilled for the Lord to come for his church, for you and for me. And besides that, tomorrow's in promise to any of us anyway. So as we keep our eyes on the Lord, and he, when we see him, we will be like him. And he who has this hope purifies himself. In other words, that if we live every day in the expectancy of the return of the Lord, it has a purifying effect on our hearts. That maybe perhaps today, my Lord, the one who loves me and died for me, can come back for me. Or he might take me home today or tomorrow. And it causes us to live for eternity and to continue to occupy till I come is what he says. The Lord has things for us to do. He has a message for us to give and a warning to give to others as well. So be the watchman on the wall that is looking, that is watching. And that exhortation is given. And we talked about that quite extensively last time. Now as we move into chapter 34, what we're going to see that he's going to address the irresponsible shepherds. That is another important message for us today. It is sad to see what has happened in the church today. That we have seen that there are circles of Christianity, denominations at one time a generation ago, who were true to the gospel and to the word of God, have abandoned the gospel. They have abandoned the word of God. Uh, they've gotten into progressive theology, um, that they've gotten into that which is false, um, denying that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. And we see that, and we do know that in the last days in the tribulation period, that there's going to be a false church that's going to be on the scene, a worldwide false church. There's going to be a falling away is what Paul writes that's going to be a sign of the last days of the tribulation period. And that is that the Antichrist is going to support that false church in the beginning of the tribulation period. And then he'll turn and destroy that false church and he wants to be worshipped. 
So we're seeing that as even as Paul would write to Timothy that in the latter days that there's going to be those who depart from the faith that give themselves over to doctrines of demons. We know that he also gives a warning also that in the last days that, you know, there are going to be those who are going to heap up teachers after themselves, given over to fists, the myths and fables. So I believe that we're seeing that come to pass even before our very eyes. So chapter 34 here is very important for us to consider. And just as it was going on in, in Judah, in um, Ezekiel's day, that is going on even today, that there are those shepherds, those who are behind the pulpit, that are fleecing the flock rather than feeding the flock. So let's begin to look at this in chapter 34. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat of the fat and clothe yourself with the wool, and you slaughter the fatling, but you do not feed the flock. So God indicted the leaders, and we have seen that it was Jeremiah, and it's Ezekiel here prophesying in Babylon that they both indicted the leaders, both political and religious leaders of Israel. And those leaders of Judah at this time were more interested, and particularly the false teachers and false religious leaders, they were more interested in feeding themselves than feeding the flock of God. They were getting wealthy at the expense of others. And we've seen that, the sins of Judah that have been listed. They were ripping the people off. They were given a false hope and a false message. They were saying that the prophets that gave a false message at this time in Ezekiel indicting them, saying that the captivity is not going to last you know, very long. We're going to come back in a couple of years. Nebuchadnezzar is going to go down. Nothing's going to happen to Jerusalem. And they were ones that they were full of sin and iniquity, perversity in their hearts. And we have seen that as well as Ezekiel has exposed them. But they were getting, you know, uh, wealthy. They were benefiting themselves. They didn't care about the people. They were not feeding the people. And unfortunately, we see much of this in the church today. Those who fleece the flock rather than feed the flock. And what they will do is they will twist the scriptures to make them say what they want them to say rather than what God intended them to say. And it is done in a couple different ways. We know the prosperity teachers, which are many that are around on the TV that have huge ministries that are telling people to give to me, plant your seed faith. There was one that um, somebody was talking to me about that they said that poverty is a spirit. And you have to break that spirit of poverty. And, of course, the way to break it is you are to give to me and plant that seed faith. And then God's going to bless you. And things are said today that are very pleasing to the flesh. That sounds so good. And they appeal to the lust of people who want to have money, who, who want to be wealthy. If I just name it and claim it that I can have that boat, that house, those possessions. And of course, we talked a lot about it on Sunday as the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said, what must I do to have eternal life? He had great possessions, we know. He had all the, much wealth. He had status. He was young. He was aggressive. He, he laid his cards right on the table. What must I do? But then as he would say to Jesus, what do I still lack? I, I've kept the commandments. 
you know, that you've laid out before me, externally he had. Jesus didn't challenge him concerning his heart, and Jesus could have, but there was a problem, and, and there was coveting. And Jesus said, give all that you have away, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. So that blows away the prosperity teachers, what they were teaching, and even the Pharisees, as Luke Gospel says, that they were ones that, that they loved, had a love for money. Paul writes to Timothy that it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. And it just does terrible things to the soul. And it brings up covetousness. Jesus said in Luke's gospel, beware of covetousness. And there's nothing wrong in and of itself to be rich or have possessions. But the Lord is to be the priority of our lives. And those things are not to have a grip on our hearts. And so there are leaders that are making a profit off of people's desire to be wealthy. And the ones that are getting rich are the TV evangelists and prosperity teachers. I do want to read to you from uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6 that Paul writes, Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Uh, in other words, uh, I think it was Billy Graham that said one time, that um, there's no uh, U-Haul that is behind the hertz at a funeral. You can't take it with you. Um, everything's going to be left here, and then everything in this world is going to burn up. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich, he didn't say those who are rich, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, which have some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. So Paul, even back then, that was a problem. Those who were saying that godliness is the means of gain, that is financial gain. And he says you need to learn to be content. And if God blesses you with, with success and, and money and things, be a good steward of it. And we know that, as we discussed on Sunday, there are those who were wealthy, and they were ones used of the Lord. They had a love for the Lord. The priority was the Lord in their lives. So we're to get, get, to get caught up in Jesus, not just in the health, wealth, you know, prosperity and mindset, uh, the health, wealth gospel, which is not really the gospel. And, and we are to keep the Lord to focus, whether we are rich or whether we are poor. There is a need to have Jesus and to follow him and that's what Jesus was saying to that rich young ruler, that you follow me, and as you follow me, it's going to take you to Calvary. And, and, and the rich young ruler went away sorrowful because he had many possessions. The rich fool that is spoken of in that parable that built bigger barns and said, I'm going to take my ease. I'm going to live for myself. I'm going to eat, drink, be merry, and take my rest. And the Lord said, fool, this night your soul is going to be required of you. And Jesus said in that parable that Luke records that the tragedy was that he was not rich towards God. We want to be rich towards God. We want to be ones that we live for eternity and keep an eternal perspective. So these irresponsible shepherds are coming along and, you know, they were fleecing the flock rather than feeding the flock. But it also can be done today in that there are those who will be behind the pulpit and teaching they will say live any way that you can. You can live in sin. They won't speak on biblical marriage. 
that marriage is between a man and a woman. They won't speak on biblical morality, that, that we're to keep ourselves pure. Um, and we uh, have those who say, live any way that you want and believe anything that you want and just love others and all of this. And they're taking people away from the gospel. They're taking people away from the Lord and the way that the Lord wants us to live. And again, it sounds so appealing to the flesh. You mean I can just live any way that I want and just love one another. That's what gets me into heaven. And there have even been those in the progressive theology that have written in their own newspaper here in Greeley that said that the cross was offensive to them. That... You know, just love one another and live any way that you want. And there are those who will not call sin, sin. And when we refuse to call sin, sin, then why do we need Jesus? Who came and died for our sins because we've missed the mark. All of us are sinners. And who died for our sins, who died a terrible, terrible death. And suffered in ways that we can't fully imagine because of his love for us to make atonement for our sins. It's an offense to the cross is what it is. And it's saying that the cross is not sufficient for salvation. And, and to live any way that you want and just be a good person that you can make it to heaven. Jesus said with man is impossible, but with God all things are impossible. We cannot save ourselves. So there's a fleecing of the flock to get people to, you know, in the prosperity movement or just live any way that you want movement and all these different things, taking us away from what the Lord really desires in our lives. But we continue reading in verse 4, the weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, bound up uh, the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. But with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for the beasts of the field when they were scattered. In verse 6, my sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hills. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth. And no one was seeking or searching for them. So we, we know that God, he is the good shepherd. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. We know that, that in um, Psalms that, you know, the Lord is my shepherd is what David writes. So the Lord is likened to a shepherd. We are his sheep. And he's talking about the sheep are now scattered because the under shepherds, those who were to be ministering and, and us in ministry, we are under shepherds to the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And we are to be feeding and we are to be serving and we are to be tending and caring and guarding. That's what we are to do. And God continues this sad indictment against his leaders. They had no care. They had no compassion, no concern for the people. And the weak were not built up. The sick needed healing. There were broken lives. They were not being mended and fed. And so they're scattered and, and we're going to see what happens when they are scattered. When there's no shepherd that is really taking care of them. Now, in this part of the country out west, you can go up in the mountains sometimes, or you can go on federal lands. So you can see that there's sheep that are out there, and they have allotments that uh, you know they can go out and have the sheep, and they, they usually have a shepherd that is there. If they didn't have that shepherd, the sheep would scatter, and... They're so defenseless. They're gentle. They, they can't defend themselves. 
they would be in big trouble. So you were to feed them, you were to care for them, and yet that hasn't happened, and now they're scattered. Uh, they're all throughout the, the field, and they became food for the beast. Can you imagine uh, a sheep that's uh, in, in the mountains here where there's mountain lions and there's bears, and, and, and they would be devoured? Um, uh, where wolves are coming in, the Colorado, up in Yellowstone, if there were sheep in the Lamar Valley, they, they would be taken down immediately. Well, we have an enemy, and we're told to watch, watch out for Satan, because he's like a roaring lion, seeking who he might devour. And we've all seen the videos, you know, the little gazelle, you know, or the deer or something that, uh, you know, gets isolated and then ends up being attacked by the lions or by the leopards or here, you know, by the grizzlies or by the wolves. And that's what Satan desires to do. He desires to isolate us, to scatter us, and to devour us. And that's what he wants to do. But we have the good shepherd. And listen, there's a very simple truth and principle for you and for me. You want to be protected? You want to be healthy? As a sheep, stay close to the shepherd. You stay close to the shepherd. You don't go wander off. You don't go wander off in, into the world and having the world be the priority of your life. You don't wander off into sin. You don't wander off, I'm going to do my own thing. But you stay close to the shepherd where there's protection and where he will feed you and bring you into good pastures for you to feed. We also know that how we are fed and how we are strengthened is staying close to the shepherd and feeding upon the word of God. And as we feed upon the word of God, Remember in Matthew's gospel in the feeding of the 4,000 that Jesus, as they were with him for three days, he was concerned for the multitude. He had compassion for them. And he said that I want to feed them lest they go home and they faint on the way. He was concerned that because, you know, they were with him that they would faint as they would make their way home. You and I, what we are to do and Jesus would feed them at that time, as you know, that as we are fed the word of God, he has food for us to eat, that as we take in the word of God, it will help us to be strong. But if we're not taking in the word of God, listen, you will faint on the way in your journey in life. That's just the way it's going to be. And God's word declares it. So for you and I to be strong, we must be feeding upon the word of God, feeding upon the Lord and staying close to him. And if not, we will faint. We will become weak. And I have known Christians that at one time they were excited about the word of God. They were coming, hearing the word of God. They were strong at that time, but then they began to be isolated. They began to wonder. Uh, they got caught up in things in life, and that can happen very easily to any of us. And they're no longer taking in the word of God, no longer listening to Bible study, no longer really having devotions. They're hit and miss. And they're weak spiritually. Life might be good. They might be doing okay in their jobs and, and everything else. But spiritually, in their souls, that there's a weakness at us there. And they feel it. And they begin to faint over time. So I want to encourage you, Calvary Chapel, because in this last year, it has been a great challenge for us to gather together. And I know that some are still, you know, being very cautious, and, and uh, we understand that. And when the Lord gives you a peace that rules in your heart to come back, but this is a time for us to be together. 
This is a time for us to be in fellowship and be hearing the word of God and be strengthening the word of God because if we are not doing that, we will find ourselves being weak and we will find ourselves being scattered. He wants to feed us. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to protect us as we stay close to the shepherd. So all these things that are very, very important as we continue in verse 7, Therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey, my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherds search for my flock. But the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. And thus says the Lord God, because I am against the shepherds and I will require my flock at their hand, I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more. For I will deliver my flock from their mouths, that they may no longer be food for them. So they became prey for the beasts of the field as they're scattered to sheep. They haven't been fed. They're weak. They're fainting. Can you imagine uh, that analogy? We can. And so you're going to come to an end. I'm going to take the, the sheep away. And, and the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. So shepherds, he's warning them. I am against the shepherds and I require my flock at their hand. And so that's why it's so important that as he says, I will deliver my flock from their mouths. The people belong to God. The people belong to God. You know, it was James that says, don't many of you, you know, desire to be teachers because you're going to be held at a stricter judgment. And that is so true for us that we are going to be held at a stricter judgment for those of us who are teaching the word. But also, listen, for you who shepherd your home and for your kids, this really challenges us, that we want to make sure that we're being the shepherds that God has called us to be, moms and dads, grandparents, whoever you might be, that you have opportunity to strengthen your kids, to feed your kids the word of God. That is part of your responsibility as well to give them the truth of God's word. And here, as he says, that the people belong to, to God, the sheep belong to me, so you shepherds, I'm going to deal with you, and I'm going to bring judgment upon you. We do know that God will deal with those who are false. We know that part of the signs of the last days, when they came and asked Jesus, you know, what are the signs of your coming? You know, when's that going to be? When's this all going to happen? And Jesus begins to tell them, take heed, don't let anyone deceive you, because many false, you know, Christs and prophets will be on the scene at the time. That is a sign of my coming. And we know that we're seeing more and more of that even today. That those who are fleecing the flock, those who are not feeding them, the people are weak spiritually. Oh, they may have big buildings. They may have, you know, lots of people that come. There's a lot of excitement that is there. Uh, but it reminds me so much of the church at Laodicea. And I think a lot of us are familiar with that church, the seventh church that Jesus writes to, that he says to them, uh, because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So Jesus here rebukes that church because they thought they had need of nothing. Everything looked good on the outside, 
but they were poor. They were poor spiritually. They were wretched. They were miserable. They were, they were blind. They couldn't see spiritually. So the outward doesn't always tell what truly how God sees things. And it may be grand things are happening, but are they receiving the truth of God's word? Are they being strengthened through the word of God? And, and so the Lord says, I'll deal with those shepherds. When Paul was addressing the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Paul said, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. That is a verse that I always remember because Paul is saying, Listen, you take heed to yourself. Don't focus on yourself. Don't make it about yourself. That's not what Paul is saying. He said, Take heed to yourself. He was one that told Timothy, take heed to yourselves. In other words, take care of yourselves spiritually, that you are to be seeking the Lord, that you're to be hearing from the Lord, you overseers, you shepherds, you leaders. You as parents are to be hearing from the Lord. Take heed to yourselves spiritually, and then you can minister to the, to the flock of God. You can minister to the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. But one of the things I always try to remember that this is his church, and he purchased the church with his blood. This is not my church. God has given me a responsibility. He's given me a responsibility to oversee the church, to feed you, and it's an awesome responsibility, and it's a responsibility that I take very, very seriously. But it is his church, which he purchased with his own blood. Jesus came and died for the church. He's the head of the church. He's the foundation of the church. He stands in the midst of the church, chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation. And I'm not to be messing with it. That I am to be the under-shepherd that is ministering in a way that is pleasing to him. I am to be the under-shepherd that is to be ministering in a way that God has me to. Peter writing in chapter 5 of 1 Peter, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, that is Jesus, appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So as I shepherd a flock of God, it's not by force. Um, it's not for my own gain, uh, but willingly. And it's not being lord over others. Paul would write to the Corinthians, they're not, we're not here to rule over you. But we're here to be helpers of your joy. We're going to see that Jesus is going to say to the disciples, you want to be great in the kingdom of God? You don't lord over. That's Gentile stuff. The Gentiles rule over others. That's worldly stuff. But what you are to do is you are to take the, 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 the position of a servant and be the servant of all. And I'm here to serve you, and we are here as overseers to serve the people. And I pray that we never lose that perspective. Because what can happen is we can murmur and we can complain and I don't want to do this and, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to ever have that heart. I don't want to get hard. I don't want to get grumpy uh, as I go through the years of ministry in my last years that I'm in because I'm 60 now and I'm going to go as long as I can. But I want to be helpers of your joy. I want to keep a servant's heart to serve. 
and to minister, to go the extra mile, to have a heart for people who are hurting, to just be willing to be flexible and working, because this isn't my church. This isn't just my building and, and my ministry. This is the Lord's ministry. And he's allowed me to be here. He doesn't need me, but he wants to use me. And I know that there is a lot of other people that he could have used, but he has given me the privilege. And those of us that are here to be here. And we never want to take that for granted. And we want to continue to feed, and we want to continue to minister, and we want to help, and we want to keep our eyes on the Lord and to do it with joy, not by compulsion because we have to or we're just getting a paycheck or whatever it might be that, that from your giving. We don't want to just have that mindset of we do it for our own gain, but we do it to serve others and to feed others and to help you. Don't mess with God's people. It's his church, his flock. He died for them. And it's a great, great responsibility. Well, I was hoping to make it through chapter 35, but we didn't even make it to chapter 34. But we're going to look next week at God is the true shepherd. We're going to see that he's going to begin to give that promise that he's going to bring them back into the land. And as we know that there is the promise that they come back from the Babylonian captivity... But also, we're going to see there's future implications as we continue through Ezekiel that he's going to bring them back and they're going to be one. And he's going to bring them back and they're going to be in the mountains of Israel building the ancient cities once again. The future implications that we have seen be fulfilled even in our lifetime. Absolute miracle. It really shows us that God's word is true and his promises are true for you and for me. But as he's indicting the leaders here, he's going to say that I am the good shepherd, I am the true shepherd, and I am going to seek out the sheep. And as I do, I'm going to bring you back, I'm going to feed you in the good pastures, and I'm going to bring you in the fold, and I'm going to make you lie down. It reminds us of a wonderful psalm, doesn't it? Again, Psalm 23. That the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He'll lead me beside the still waters, and he'll bring comfort to my soul. We'll take a look at that. And David also who said, feed upon the Lord for he is good. And as we go over it, I think we're going to be tremendously blessed looking at that as we continue next time journeying through here Ezekiel's word. I hope you are encouraged and blessed today. The Lord wants so much for us. And to keep a proper perspective, to minister to our families, to be strong in the Lord, not to faint, not to be scattered, to be watching, and as we do, we experience the blessings of the Lord. So, Father, we thank you for this time in your word. I do pray that you would just bless this time that we have together, that, Lord, that you would um, always just, as your word goes forth, as we take it in, touch our hearts with it. And I pray that happened tonight. And thank you for those who are hungry for your word. And as we feed upon your word, may it strengthen us. And Lord, as we shepherd our families, as we uh, serve you, that, to remember that it is your church that you purchased with your blood. And Lord, that we are given a responsibility to serve, to be helpers of joy, to be examples to the people. 
to, to be ones that point people to the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. And as we stay close to you, we are protected. As you make us to lay down beside the still waters and green pastures, that we are fed. And so, Lord, bring comfort to our souls. Lord, strengthen us in the days in which we are in, because the world is brutal out there. And we have an adversary that's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We don't want to wander off. We don't want to go into his territory because he know, we know that he's going to come after us, tear us apart, try to get a foothold into our lives. We don't want to be discouraged, but Lord, that we want to stay close as we just keep looking to you. Lord, as we are in the days in which we are in, we want to be wise, we want to be discerning, we want to be ones that, Lord, that, that we keep an eternal perspective, that we would feed upon your word. And, Lord, that we wouldn't just want to please the flesh, but feed our spirit. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for, Lord, uh, this time. We look forward to when we meet again and as we continue to gather uh, as a fellowship, as a church, ministering. Uh, Lord, thank you that we can do that. We need each other. We need to be in fellowship. We need to, to be ones that are strengthened and encouraged and edified and uplifted by one another. So, Lord, we want to be ones that are helpers of your joy to others. I thank you for these reminders. I pray you bless everyone here as we finish our week and as we head to the weekend. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a great, great rest of the week. Hopefully we'll see you on Sunday.